0: Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCartney, founder of plotplots.com and author of the book, I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, welcome back to another of my garden design podcasts. You're listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed, a very warm welcome to you. If you are new to the the Plotting Shed, thank you very much for tuning in. Do let me know what you think about it. I love reading all the comments that you send me. You can send them to me by email, rachel at plantplots.com, or you can pop them onto Facebook or Instagram or wherever you use your social media. I'm sure I will find them and thank you very much. So what of this week's little chat? I hope you found these design podcasts useful. I do sit there thinking, how am I going to explain this in words without pictures? I do spend some time trying to see if I can deliver the visual image in your head, and I hope I am. This week, we're dealing with weird and odd-shaped gardens. Last week's episode dealt with square, rectangular, long, thin, short, wide gardens, and the simple design thoughts that you need to put in place to deal with those. But more often than not now, especially when we're dealing with a lot of the new housing development, certainly in the United Kingdom, houses are shoehorned into all sorts of shapes and spaces and as a designer I get sent pictures of some very small and really quite weird and odd-shaped gardens. They can range from the wildly triangular to l-shaped gardens to gardens that just have odd little alcoves and annexes because quite obviously the developers when they were building the new house they couldn't fit another house in that space so they have built the houses around a space and then shoehorned the gardens and chopped them up to try and see and give everybody a bit of space and it's really difficult isn't it when you've got this funny angle Garden furniture, the things that we buy and put into a garden are regular shapes. How do we design when you have a really odd shaped garden? If I take triangular shaped gardens first, let's let's deal with those. With any triangular shaped garden, There are two ways that the triangle affects your garden space. The more common one occurs when you're standing at the back door, you're looking out into your garden. One fence line runs parallel with the side wall of your house. The other fence line closes in at the far end. It narrows the way down. The hypotenuse, the long diagonal is on one side of the garden. The second way that a triangular garden affects a house is if that hypotenuse is parallel to the back wall of the house or broadly parallel and what happens there is that on one corner of your property the garden is much deeper and on the other corner it's much narrower so that fence line imposes in into our visual space much more than when the garden is oriented the other way. I would suggest when you have a really odd-shaped garden that we don't try and have an informal layout. It's really quite hard to make the informality out-dominate the odd shape. It's sometimes much better to regularize shapes within the odd shape Our intention is to dominate the garden shape with shapes of our own. You can do that geometrically, even when the garden is a triangular shape, or we can use smaller shapes, but create symmetry. So our eyes will follow this symmetrical pattern more than the hypotenuse of the diagonal fence. We're looking at imposing a geometric shape in the garden, i.e. one then that will offset against the run and the linear line of your garden. Why would we use that? The benefit of it is that we can orient the biggest shape at the widest part of the garden, which then allows us to disguise the narrowest part of the garden, we can fill that up with with a deeper border so we can't see the end of the garden and it distracts from the narrowing of the fence because we're putting the orientation of the width at the widest part. We're saying look here not at the narrowest point which is where perspective it will be taking us. We create the garden shape rather than the garden shape being imposed upon us. If we were going to use more of a formal feel, a symmetrical element, again, it's the same visual distraction, but rather than twisting shapes around, we're saying, look, here's this lovely order, there's this lovely pattern, there's this nice sense of order and journey, with this design so that we simply won't notice as much the boundaries, that they're not at the same distance away from this formal shape and pattern that we've created because we're looking at the pattern. So that's what we're trying to do. If the diagonal runs parallel to the back wall of the house, so we have this wide edge of, at one end of the garden and a narrow edge at the other end, just in the same way as if you have a wide shallow garden you need to rethink how you are going to orient your use of the space because if we simply sit out with our back to the back wall we're going to feel that fence pressing in on us more So maybe we have to turn ourselves round so we look from or we sit at the widest part of the garden and look to the narrowest or if the space we can sit at the narrowest part of the garden and then look down our view towards the widest part it's all about how you want to distract how you want to disguise but then how we want to enhance if with this narrowing of the garden at one point it's where you look from the inside out then like where we have a wide shallow garden we need to enhance that view that micro view that we have from inside out through the window to the fence because the fence is now really close to to our our field of vision it feels all-encompassing we can't see anything but the fence because it fills the window space we can't disguise it we can't distract from it so the only option we've got is to make that view beautiful and you need to determine whether you need to concentrate on the view from a seating perspective if you were in the sitting room looking out through the window or whether you want to look at it say more from a standing perspective. It may be a kitchen window standing at the sink looking out and there's the fence. You don't want to see things at ground level, you need to see what's on the fence at eye level that you're looking at and make that little view something interesting and beautiful. Perspective is a very powerful visual marker for us as humans we always look into the distance we follow the line of something right to the end point so when we have a garden that is narrower at the furthest end that's inherently what we notice far more than anything else in the garden because of perspective and because of how we see again you have choices as to what we can do and because in this orientation of the triangular shaped garden, that narrow point is further away. We have options. We can disguise, we can distract, or we can enhance. I would always recommend using plants to fill a narrow pointy end because at that point then we've got a, a close compaction of plants growing together. They can grow quite tall and we can't see the fences behind, but we can use false images we can put mirrors in at angles in that little corner to give the impression there is more space in that undergrowth than there would be we can put something beautiful at that particular point in time so it shouts out and says look at me not the pointy space behind me obviously if you're going to use a sculpture or a feature it has to be big enough to dominate that space But again, we're embracing it, we're saying, look, I've got this wonderful little alcove, look what I've put in here. It doesn't then feel quite so pointy. We can distract from the narrowness, but it all depends on where you would use the garden the most. Your orientation when you're sitting outside, what is it that you're going to be looking at? If that narrowness is a real saw, and you can't do anything with it, then the view that you have to create in the garden has to capture you, it has to be one that you want to go and have a look at. And therefore you need to think about it having a lot of contrast from your normal vision, and I mean contrast in colour, contrast in moving against something static contrast in sound you can hear things as opposed to nothing you can contrast light and dark it may be that you decide that this border has to be a complete insect magnet so you walk up and investigate it and look at it more closely because if your attention span is held by something there and you're looking close at something you're not looking at the end fence in terms of a design process, it's, it's trying to demystify. We get caught up thinking I've got to create this beautiful style. And it, it isn't like that. You can deal with design in very practical, sensible, simple ways by asking sensible, simple questions. Where your triangular garden sits Parallel to the house. So we have this thick end, thin end of the wedge. You're creating micro views that enhance your sense, your senses. There could be in that small enclosed space, the narrowest part of the garden. your really scented flowers and plants because they will hold that aroma in that sheltered narrow space. You can use that narrow space and make it an alcove by putting pergola with a roof in there. So you're saying, yeah, this is a tiny little space, but it's great because you can get in there and it's hidden or you're sitting under a beautiful climber. You feel like you're in a little tiny space. Well, we've got a tiny space. We've enhanced it into a beautiful tiny space. Whenever you're faced with a design issue and problem, It's all about practical solutions or emotional solutions, isn't it? You just need to identify what those are. But a triangle is still a regular shape and it's easy to deal with regular shapes. We can work in and work around them and obviously have a look at the videos that I put on because a picture speaks a thousand words. Hopefully that will help you in your garden space, but there are some really odd and weird shaped gardens now. So what do we do there where conventionality can't work because just you haven't got the measurements, everything goes off at funny angles. And the key here is unconventionality. Your garden is probably what one I would describe as maybe being the gap filler, as I said earlier. The builders, the developers couldn't get another property in. So just the space in between them has just been allocated. And so you've got odd odd bits. In this instance, you have to embrace the oddity. It is probable that you don't have enough space to put visual big shapes down like lawns or patios because the garden angles will butt in and interfere. What we're then looking at trying to do is really understanding how you work in your space because your options are going to be limited. It will be that there may be just one part of the garden that is big enough to hold the chairs. That is going to dictate how you do it and then it's all a question about looking at the micro views that you have around you and making each one interesting in some way. It's about understanding how the oddness of the shape might throw environmental issues into your space. What I mean is that you could suddenly get a wind tunnel because you've got two buildings close together, so your little space attracts a much higher level of wind because the buildings are compressing the airflow. So it speeds up. You need to either work with it and think, okay, I have a windier garden in the confines of a lot of hard landscaping and building. Therefore, I'm going to use plants that will highlight all of that movement and motion. When I'm inside, I want to be able to see the weather and what the wind is doing. It might be that you, okay, I need to diffuse this. I need to find a way so that I can sit out without having this constant airflow. Similarly, in small, odd-shaped spaces, you can get rain shadows. These are spaces where, due to overhanging buildings or trees or just the prevailing weather, water never hits the ground. So you can't plant anything at ground level. You might need to raise it up higher so that it can get some water. Similarly with a sun trap, you might want to use your space, but you get cooked. What can you put in that small space that will allow you to use it? It could be that you can construct a very small corner space pergola with an open slatted roof that you can grow something over to give you a cooling space nothing about garden design conventionality would work in a really odd-shaped garden. It can only work if that odd shape is big enough for you to split the odd shape into regular shapes and then you would apply the design principles for a small regular garden in your regular shape garden and if you've got a triangular space left over you apply triangular principles in the triangular space but you then possibly separate the two in order to hide the oddness it might be a trellis screen it might be an archway as you say this is my square space this is my triangular space the garden might go round the corner Again, you say this is one side and this is another side. I have two totally separate gardens. This one is a sun trap. The one on the other side round the corner only gets the morning sun. Therefore, it has a different feel. So you have to embrace that originality in order to make your garden feel the way that you need it to make you feel. So don't get hung up on making sure that you've got The things that you think a garden should have, because you can't do that. You might have to multifunctional the seating space. You don't really get tables and chairs or space for a table and chairs. So what you've done is you create a flip down table that comes off the wall and you use raised borders, which have got a wide enough top to them that you can put a cushion on and sit on. So it's about solving those issues and problems and trying to find workable solutions. But think outside the box. Use colour. Because it's so small or it's an odd shape or you've got a big wall that you've got to contend with, if you're allowed to, really make a feature. Use colour, use mirrors, use artwork to draw your attention to those beautiful things that you have, so that you don't notice the odd things that you don't want to notice quite so much. It allows you scope to be really bold. Whenever the space is odd, some simple rules will always help you just keep yourself focused. You have to create the garden around the best place to sit. It's something I harp on about all the time, but it's surprising how many people haven't thought, even thought that question. They just sit where the patio was put by the builders, not where they would like to sit. So you have to plan around your usage. Where space is weird shaped and odd or narrow and thin, vertical space, three-dimensional design can help out dominate the oddness or the weirdness. Think about using really tall pergolas, higher than you might normally do. It makes you look up above maybe your boundary line to a wider view rather than feeling closed in the space that you have. Similarly, use vertical plants. You don't want in a small narrow space, big round fat things. You want tall, thin, narrow things. Your Forcing your eye line up—it's the distraction from the narrowness again. Multifunction your objects, if you can. Raised borders double up as seating, as I've just said. You can have raised borders that don't have soil all the way down them, because we might only need twenty centimetres of soil for the plants that you've got. So you've got storage space underneath. Think about dead space. If you go on the website, I'll put a a link on to my small garden design page to explain what dead space is. But very quickly, it's the space that you create that you can't use because you've put something in the wrong place. And in an awkward space, what we want to do is minimize the dead spaces. Everything then works together. And your main design Principle for odd-shaped gardens is distraction, distraction, distraction. Force yourself to look at something else. Force yourself to listen to something else and want to visit the part of the garden that is the better part so that you are not focusing on the negative. And by doing that, you will make the best of the shape and the space that you are in. So I hope, again, I haven't bamboozled you too much. As always, do let me know. Next week, we're talking about front gardens. Bye for now. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at com. Or you visit the website, we have loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So, do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go on to the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.